The weakness of the Biden administration is emboldening Iran. The government once again proves its incompetence. And what can the Washington Post make racist today? This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I was able to walk into a 7-Eleven without a mask today. I was able to walk into a grocery store without a mask today. Guess what? It is the grand reopening of California. Yay! And still, when I did my four-mile walk, I still saw about 50 people with their masks on. And I mean that literally. When I walk, I actually count things. Usually, I like to count discarded masks because I love to see how the uh, leftists are making us wear masks, but they totally ignore the environmental impact of masks being thrown away which happens. Usually it averages about 11 to 12 a mile, so that's quite a bit. But anyway, it was a good day today. Uh, I think I'm going to walk to the grocery store today and go buy something with no mask on. Okay, well, today's going to be kind of an exciting day. I'm watching the news. I'm waiting to see how uh, uh, Vladimir Putin puts Joe Biden in his place. It's going to be very interesting to see how that's going to work out. But Biden's weakness is not just showing with Russia. It's also showing with Iran. Okay, Iran is a fundamentalist theocracy. Okay, it is a terrorist state. We used to think that they were a parliamentary system, and then this year we, well, I never thought they were a parliamentary system. We thought it was always run by the Ayatollahs, but they said it was a parliamentary system, and most people believed it was a parliamentary system. Now we're finding out it's the Revolutionary Guard and the Ayatollahs. They're actually running the uh, country. They have a firm belief in fundamental Islam, in, in which infidels either need to be imprisoned, enslaved, or killed. That's from the Koran. I'm not making that up. They do not believe in any women's rights. Women can't vote, drive, go out without a male family member and fully must be fully covered and can be imprisoned for violating any rules. Gays are just killed. But this is the group that Joe Biden wants to negotiate with and trusts that they won't create a nuclear weapon. He has already lifted restrictions and sanctions that Trump, the Trump administration had put under put on top of them to neuter them and it worked iran was basically out of money they couldn't afford to give hamas hezbollah they couldn't afford to uh, whip money and weapons they couldn't afford to continue their proxy war in yemen against uh against uh, uh saudi arabia they were actually really hurting and then you have joe biden comes in and gives them money gets rid of their gets rid of their uh, sanctions, gives Hamas and Hezbollah money and then they can buy more weapons and attack Israel. I mean all this stuff has happened. Well, the bending of the knee has empowered Iran. For the first time, and this is from the I'm gonna read some of this. This is from the Daily Wire. For the first time, Iranian battleships are actually crossing the Atlantic Ocean. They're likely, no one knows where they're actually going, and these are two of their largest battleships, but the thought is they're actually heading over to Venezuela. Venezuela. 
This is the first time they have ever attempted to do this because they were never, they couldn't do it first off. Trump wouldn't let them. Um, definitely wouldn't let them go to Venezuela. And now they're, they're doing it. Uh, the Independent, the newspaper called The Independent reported, quote, the Iranian ships, the frigate Sahand and the base ship Makran reached the South Atlantic on Thursday, likely en route to Venezuela, which has increasingly become an economic and military partner of Tehran. Right off the bat, you got to sit there and say, you know, you can judge a person based off their friends, Tehran being friendly with Venezuela. But then again, you know, a, a pure dictatorship, socialist dictatorship where people are starving, the average person in Venezuela has lost 24 pounds. They are eating dogs. A loaf of bread costs like 10,000, oh, I think it's more than that, but $10,000, and that's Venezuelan dollars, a loaf. People are trying to get out. You know, this is the one thing about the border crisis. A lot of the people that are crossing the border are, act, I know I'm going off on a tangent, sorry, are actually crossing the border from Venezuela. You know something? Those people, they should be let into the United States. Those people should be given their amnesty or given whatever their, you know, their their political prisoners or whatever. And then those people should be once saying, what the hell are you guys doing here? Because that's exactly what people need to see with socialism. I'm so tired of seeing a 19 and 20 year old talk about socialism like they know something. So. Okay, I'll continue with the thing. Iran has been has had friendly relations with Cuba where the ship could make a port of call. So now we're going to have Iran military ships 26 miles off the United States coast. That is absolutely awesome. And nobody sees a problem with that. Iran Deputy Army Commander Admiral Habibullah Sayari said, I hope I didn't butcher that. I'm sure I did. Uh, quote, the 77th Strategic Naval Fleet of the Navy, of the Navy, comprising of the Sanad destroyer and the Makran ship, is present in the Atlantic Ocean for the first time to demonstrate the capabilities of Iran in, maritime, in the maritime arena. Navigating in the international waters is a legitimate right of the Iranian Army's Strategic Navy. And we will continue this path with full force and power. The fleet continues on its longest naval mission in the North Atlantic. Okay, I, I just want to point something out here before I get into my tangent. Um, they have literally three ships, and one of them sank last week. So let's not get wild and crazy about the Iranian military. Okay, you've got a ship. You got two ships, one destroyer, and Iran literally has maybe four destroyers, and the rest of their ships are basically skiffs with motor onboard motors they they really are they don't have much of a navy so congratulations one of your destroyers was able to make it across the atlantic and the other is a cargo ship so i i, I don't understand why people don't just sit there in, in iran is really becoming overconfident here and I love what Israel does, because I'm sure Israel is taking care of Iran. I'm sure those fires and that ship sinking, Israel probably had something to do with. 
uh, the drone factory explosion, Israel probably had something to do with. By the way, Israel now has a, a Benjamin Netanyahu is no longer the prime minister in Israel. So we'll ha I need to read a little more before we talk about that. But Israel is taking care of business when it comes to Iran. They're really weakening Iran. But just their pure arrogance says to me, if I were president, maybe we should just bomb with a ship and, and let the cargo ship go. And they definitely should not be going to Cuba, and they definitely should not be going to Venezuela. But the Biden administration is just weak. And this isn't even being reported. This is just being ignored. I think this is a pretty serious thing. If they're going to park a destroyer off the coast of the United States, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed off about that. Maybe we should send a couple of ships to board them. Just like they board the United States ships in the Suez, or a, yeah, in the Strait of Hormuz. They do that all the time. And then they're sitting back and supporting despot governments like Venezuela and Cuba, which the United States is supposed to be fighting against, but no one cares. Senator Ted Cruz had some harsh words about this, and yeah, that's it. I don't want harsh words, I want actions now. So, quote, so Biden is lifting sanctions on Iran in exchange for nothing? Just like the Dems, like, just the Dem, just the Dems, like the Ayatollah, I guess. Charming guy. What's a little death to America between friends? Absolutely true. Iran has been screaming death to America, death to Israel forever. And for some reason, that is enough that we should actually, I don't know, negotiate with them? In, a, in addition to this, the Russians are planning to deliver one of their satellites to Iran, which would help their military capabilities. All this would have never happened under Trump. And this actually would have been illegal. Actually, um, it still is illegal because Trump signed an executive order. The kicker is Trump's executive order on sending uh, military supplies to Iran has not been overturned yet. But you know what? Russia's going to do it anyway. They're absolutely going to do it anyway. Because they know Biden won't do a damn thing. It's really sad. The rest of the world right now is laughing at us. And they shouldn't be. Iran has an extremely fragile government. China has an extremely fragile government. A lot of people think that China is the, the strength of the world right now. They really aren't. They're... They, they have a couple of things with their economy that are working out for them, but they actually are extremely weak. And if we had Trump for more years, we probably would have gotten into a cold war with them and probably would have broke them. They are not as far ahead as a lot of people make it out. I've read a few books on China. Maybe I can um, put those up on the website so you can take a look at the books. But China is not as powerful as everyone makes it out to be. They've got a real problem internally. Not to mention, did you hear? They've got a nuclear leak on one of their uh, on one of their uh, uh, nuclear facilities, and of course, China is basically saying, "No, nope, that's not happening. That's not happening." But that's a story for another day. But it just shows you. It's like um, Chernobyl in Russia in the Soviet Union. Soviet Union was always a weak country. It was never a powerful country. They were always behind technologically, and they always tried to catch up and make themselves look bigger than they were. China is doing the same thing. They, 
externally from from our vantage point they look extremely strong they really aren't so anyway good good for joe biden way to jack up great foreign po- i mean that guy could screw up a glass of water i don't know what I, oh my gosh he's still i i am waiting to hear about this uh geneva summit biden putin summit i i think i think uh <laughs> i i think Putin is going to eat his lunch for him. It, it's going to be great. Okay, now here's here's something. It, remember, I always say taxes is robbery. It taxes is robbery. Uh, well, this is an awesome story. I love this story. It has been reported that four hundred billion—that's billion with a B—dollars in unemployment claims were likely stolen via fraud over the past year. And a bulk of that money has come from crime has gone to crime syndicates like China, Russia, and Nigeria. <laughs> Nigeria, which means they had some. Hello, I'm the king of Nigeria. I need to. I don't even know if that's that's. I think more Indian than Nigerian. But anyway, somebody probably from Nigeria sent an email saying he's the prince of Nigeria and he has five million dollars he needs to deposit in your account. And some idiot politician actually took the bait. Axios reported, quote, criminals may have stolen as much as half of the unemployment benefits the U.S. has been pumping out for over the last year. Unemployment fraud during the pandemic could easily reach $400 billion, according to some estimates. And the bulk of the money likely ended up in the hands of foreign crime syndicates, making this not just theft, but a matter of national uh, security. Well, we know that uh, Biden is always worried about national security, right? I mean, the Russian uh, hackers going in and shutting down half of our infrastructure. Biden's done a lot about that, so this is this is the thing. But um, the Biden administration has decided to do something better. They've decided to blame this problem on the Trump administration. This is what White House economist Gene Sperling said, quote, widespread fraud at the state level in a in pandemic unemployment insurance during the previous administration is one of the most serious challenges we inherited. We inherited. Okay. President Biden has been clear that the type of activity from criminal syndicates is despicable and unacceptable. It is why we passed a two billion for UI moderate uh, modernization in the American Rescue Plan, instituted a Department of Justice anti-fraud task force and an all-of-government identity theft and public benefits initiative. Yeah, we see how well that's working. Uh, Another company was actually shut down uh, because of hackers. So, yeah, that's working. But I find it funny. Really? It's all Trump's fault, huh? I mean, we didn't have any fraud when Obama was president. And I understand there probably was fraud when Trump was in office, but we gotta gotta understand something that this we were also in a brand new world in the pandemic. So I don't care what you inherited. I want to hear what you're doing about it. This is the one thing. Trump never Trump hated Obama. There was no question. And he hated Biden. And he hates Biden. But Trump never blamed Obama for anything. He just sat back and started fixing things. And he would say, I overturned this crappy policy from Barack Obama. 
And now we fixed it. And by the way, Trump's was $600 billion was his money he was spending. Now we've got Biden spending an additional $2 trillion on COVID aid. My, and of that $600 billion in COVID aid, a lot of that money was never spent. So you decided to approve a $2 trillion COVID plan but didn't fix any of the corruption problems? This is, brings us to another thing. Um, Biden's been president for six months now. How long is Biden going to blame Trump? It's got to be getting older. And here's the bigger question. These people should be trusted with the money I have to pay in taxes? The government is incompetent. They suck at everything. This is my problem when I hear, oh, we're going to raise taxes on the corporate rate to 28%, which means they're going to raise taxes on us. You know, the little people do get, when the corporate tax rate goes up, we're all going to get screwed. The 15% global corporate tax rate is going to screw us. It's not going to screw the government. And they're going to take this money and they're going to F it up and they're going to throw it away. It's going to be garbage. It's going to be like just going to a toilet and pissing in it. The government is terrible. I've always said taxes is theft. Always said it. Because they think they know how to deal with my money better than I do, which is asinine. If I didn't have to pay taxes, you know what? I donate some to charity. If they sat back and told me, you know something, just donate. 10% of your, or 15, I think the church, it's 10% of your salary donated to charity. I'd have no problem with that. Let me pick the charity I want to send it to. No, they don't. So they're going to take our money and they're going to screw it up and give it to Russia. And we talked about this yesterday with Biden's G7 summit. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take all our money and give it to somebody else, other countries. It's bad enough they want to give all our money to um people who don't do anything now they want to give our money to other countries that have nothing to do with us we see no value in it let's give our money to our our sworn enemy iran we haven't been friends with iran in over jesus 30 50 70 years and you're just going to give that money up yeah so freaking frustrating but i've got a great story now this is this is going to be a fun one okay this stuff just never stops so, let's review. Dr. Seuss is racist. Sidewalks are racist. Water is racist. Apple pie is racist. Hamburgers are racist. Water is racist. Swimming is racist. What else could the media come up with to make racist? How about birds and conservation? Yep, birds. The small little things with wings and feathers. I would have thought, you know, birds, besides, you know, carrying disease and pooping on statues, that would be about all that I, I don't like about birds. And they're kind of loud. They wake up in the morning. But the Washington Post released an article titled The Racist Legacy Many Birds Carry. And this one's by Daryl Fears. I'm not kidding. I, I, I don't know where these... I'm going to read a lot of this uh, because it's actually quite funny. And it... Here's the problem with left's writing. They're kind of all over the place. And I, I, I want to read quite a bit of it, but I won't read all of it. So here's how it starts. <clears throat> Karina Newsom is a black ornithologist, as rare as some of the birds she studies. 
When she joined the Georgia Audubon last year, the group's executive director called her hiring a first step to, quote, begin working to break down barriers, end quote, so that people from all communities can fully enjoy birding and outdoors. Okay, I, I, got, a qu- I got a question. Um, did the ornithology departments throughout the country suddenly discriminate against black people that black people couldn't become ornithologists? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, ornithology, I didn't even know that was even a thing still. And by the way, how many people do you know are ornithologists? Why is it also that we complain there aren't enough black people in a specific discipline, but we never complain there aren't enough white people in another specific discipline? Is this really truly a thing? I mean, I have never met a guy who has a doctorate in bird watching. I, I've never met a person. Maybe I'm way off, but I would think there wouldn't be a lot of black bird watchers because, or ornithologists, whatever, because I don't know. There aren't a lot of ornithologists. Okay, let's continue. But overcoming those barriers will be daunting. Daunting? What do you mean daunting? Why would it be daunting? If we don't have enough black bird watchers. Okay. I, I don't think, honestly, if we don't have enough bird watchers altogether, the world will... Pro- this is not the existential th- uh, uh, threat to humanity, is we don't have enough ornithologists, or even black ornithologists. I think, you know, we could probably go without somebody staring at birds. Okay, I'm going to continue. As with the wider field of conservation, racism, and colonialism are in ornithology's DNA, in it indelibly inked its, it to its origin story. The challenge of how to move forward is roiling white ornithologists as the debate whether to change as many as 150 eponyms, the name of birds that honor people with connections to slavery and white supremacy. The Bachman Sparrow, Wallace Fruit Dove, and other winged creatures bear the names of men who fought for the southern cause, stole skulls from the Indian graves for pseudoscientific studies that were later debunked and brought and bought and sold black people. Some of these men stoked violence and participated in it without consequence. Yeah, and how's that new? I, a lot of people in the 1800s and 1700s, even early 1900s, did some really bad things. Martin Luther King was a rabid adulterer and abusive of women. Shall we cancel him? Shall we pull down his statues? Shall we change the names of all the buildings and freeways that are named after him? What about Margaret Sanger, the discoverer of Planned Parenthood? She was a rabid racist and a eugenicist. And we've been celebrating her name for ages. Okay, so some guy, by the way, what does this guy owning slaves have anything to do with the fact that he actually found a bird that no one had discovered before? Okay, it gets better. Let's keep going. Offensive bird names compound that sense of not belonging. Despite professional and amateur birding groups declared commitment to diversity, only two names have been discarded. The Townsend's Warbler and the Townsend Solitaire still invoke John Kirk Townsend, whose journals detailed his exploits in traditional Native American burial 
grounds in the west. Okay, you can see where this is going. The next one is the Wallace Outlet, Outlet, and five other birds honor Alfred Russell Wallace, a British naturalist, explorer, and anthropologist, along with Charles Darwin for conceiving the theory of evolution through the natural selection. Wallace's writings frequently used the N-word, including the reference to the little brown hairy baby he boasted about caring for after fatally shooting her mother during 1855 trip to uh, Malay Archipelago. Some historians believe they were orangutans. Okay, well, if they were orangutans and he calls it a little brown hairy baby, doesn't that mean, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm way off, but orangutans are typically big. If it's little, maybe if it's a baby, it's probably going to be pretty little. Orangutans are brown and they got a lot of hair. Does do you have to sit back and assume he was talking about a black kid? Do you always, can I not talk about orangutans anymore because I'll suddenly be accused of uh, racism? And people admit, oh yeah, he's probably talking about orangutan. Okay. And he shot the mother, so he's taking care of the baby. He obviously has feelings for the thing. Okay. But you can see where it's going. So I'm going to skip around in the article. I'll keep going down. Because essentially what they do is they spend the next four or five paragraphs just ripping anybody who named a, has a bird named after them. And how they're going to have to change the bird names of 150 different birds. Which, I, I guess for ornithology, you kind of got to do that because they really don't have anything else to discuss. I, I Seriously. What do these guys have to do? Well, you've got some time to change the names. Go ahead, change them. I mean, you just made your, I guess you just made your uh, uh, profession or your discipline worth something. Okay, here we go. Now it's, it's all, the, all the minorities are going to get upset here, and this is where they go. Lanham, who's a, a, <coughs> who is a, a professor of ornithology, views the issues as part of the much larger historic pattern. This is not an issue. I'm sorry. I don't see an issue here. But one connected to white enslavers who renamed Africans kidnapped from the continent's west coast. They renamed an entire people cancel culture on a global scale, he noted. You know, I find that funny because do you know who else owned slaves back then? Black people. Especially where the 1619 Project talks about you know, the first black slaves in America, and they were actually not slaves. They were, um, they were uh, uh, hired to come over, and they ended up with land, and they ended up owning slaves. And do you know who, sla who sold most slaves to the United States? The chiefs of tribes over there. So I, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, in Honolulu, Lulu, ornithologist Olivia Wang is equally harsh. She regards the honorifics that birds carry with disdain. Quote, they are a reminder that this field that I work in was primarily developed and shaped by people not like me, who probably would have viewed me as a lesser, said Wang, an Asian-American graduate student at the University of Hawaii. Yeah, you know, so I, mean, I don't even want to, well, no, I'll read this part. They are also a reminder of how Western ornithology and the natural exploration in general was often tied to a colonialist mindset 
of conquering and exploiting and claiming ownership of things rather than learning from the humans who were already part of the ecosystem and had been living alongside these birds for lifetimes. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're birds. People were bird watching. They saw a bird. They named the bird after them. Are we seriously going into this whole thing? And by the way, are these people really? One is from Clemson University. The other is in the University of Hawaii. They're probably doing okay. They probably both have doctorates. All from birds. I'm sorry. You know what I think should be uh, go extinct? Is ornithology. Because I don't even think that's a real science anymore. Oh, well, well this is the last part. I'm going to read this entire thing. Because this is just funny. All right. Quote, there is no timeline for decisions about the worst bird names, but the discussion seems unlikely to wane, given participants such as Rudder and Newsom. These are two do other doctors. Within days of the incident, because I skipped a lot of it, be within days of the, can you believe they actually wrote like 5,000 words in this stupid essay? Well, a, a racist birds. Within days of the incident in Central Park last year, Newsom helped organize a very public declaration dubbed Black Birders Week an event that quickly became a viral movement. It, they're bird watchers. Dude, do you really believe for a second bird watching is something that most people would want to do to believe that this is coming becoming viral? Anyway, move on. By happenstance, it took place amid nationwide demonstrations and calls for racial justice following George Floyd's death under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer the 20 <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry the 28 year old again took part in this year's blackbirders week which began last weekend she is encouraged by ornithology's increasing focus on diversity and racism she hopes it will soon extend to what the national abaddon society and its chapters call themselves quote I believe they should both absolutely change the name. It feels wrong to enter African-American communities celebrating Abaddon's name, she said. It's a reality I'm wrestling with constantly. Dude, you seriously have an easy life. If this is something you're wrestling with, Abaddon. I mean, my God, it's the name of a bird. Yes, the guy, here's the newsflash. He may have been a bad human in real life. He's dead. Get over it. Yet as far, yet far more progress is needed. Heads still turn when Newsom is in the field observing birds. Quote, I'm always questioned in seemingly friendly way. Oh, what are you doing here? Do you know why people are questioning you? It's not because you're black, because they're wondering, what the frick are you staring at? I would have asked the same thing. I would have seen someone with a binoculars looking at a bird. What are you looking at? Looking at a bird. I, it's not because you're black. I do, I see that sometimes. You go to the park and they're doing that. Here, continue on. On urban trails, she quickly lifts her binoculars when she sees white people do a double take in a scorching Georgia marsh where she slogs through the muck to study a seaside sparrow. She shifts heavy equipment to the side of her body that faces the roadway so suspicious white motorists quote, won't think I'm doing something illegal and make trouble here. Or maybe they're just wondering why you are sloshing through a slump carrying swamp carrying all of that crap. Maybe that's why they're looking at you. Maybe we're going to, when we do 
Ibram X. Kendi, he does the same thing in his How to Be an Anti-Racist. He does exactly the same thing. It, it's really just, dude, you're being really overly dramatic here. Yeah, you know, I don't care if a white woman is sloshing around in a swamp carrying 40 pounds of equipment, I'd wonder what the hell she's doing to. But no, this is, this is what she thinks. Across the muddy water is the Brunswick neighborhood where Armand Arbery, a black jogger, was chased down and fatally shot in February 2020. That was a tragedy, by the way. I, I truly think those two guys, or three guys, they're going to prison for the rest of their lives. Three white men have been indicted in the case. Newsom remembers driving past the neighborhood after the killing as she again headed towards the marsh. Quote, I felt like my soul couldn't take being there anymore, she said. Quote, like a black person can't even be what they're called to be without encountering such violence. Oh, so bird watching. They, they put a parallel between birdwatching and Armand Arbery and George Floyd. There's a real stretch. I had to read those last few paragraphs because this was the most asinine, overdone, overdramatic last couple paragraphs I think I've ever read. And I've read a lot of books where the last few paragraphs were extremely dramatic effing birds this is <laughs> wow wow and then you wonder why people aren't taking the media serious or taking this story serious i mean taking the washington post serious do you realize when i read this thing i almost got a subscription to the washington post because this borders on comedy comedy or anthology not even a real discipline anymore um not enough black people's in ornithology so there's not a lot of anybody in ornithology. And the names of birds are racist. And everything, you just look at someone that's looking at a bird, it's because black people aren't allowed to look at birds? I guess, is that what she's actually saying? Black people shouldn't be, aren't allowed to look at birds anymore because um, it's only a white people can look at birds? Hmm, that's weird. I, I, I don't know. I don't exactly know. And I've read this entire thing. And I didn't. I wasn't even sure what to put in it, but I read this entire thing, and that was what I was wondering. What What exactly is your problem? Um, maybe Eber Max Candy again. He did the same thing. White people are looking at me all. The, I mean, how self important do you have to believe to think that you're trogging along in a freaking swamp in the middle of a hundred degree weather, carrying forty pounds of crap? And somebody is driving by and wondering, what the hell is she doing? And to think it's because that white person's a racist and I'm black. How freaking self-involved do you have to be? I love stories like this because it just shows how stupid the whole anti-racist CRT thing is. Because these people propagate it in everything. We saw it last week with apple pie, which was also complete crap. And the whole article had nothing to do with apple pie. But anyway, that's great. We're going to talk about this more. Okay, you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. You can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com where you can take a look at all my links. Uh, we've got a really good show tomorrow. 
Biden's going to be talking to Russia, you know, uh, Putin, you know that's going to be interesting. Um, also, a North Korean sex slave who escaped North Korea has spoken out on Sean Hannity yesterday. I wasn't able to get to it today, but I think this is something we need to discuss. And I have been saving an audio clip forever that I'm actually going to throw into the podcast tomorrow. So it might be shorter podcast, but it might be only a couple of fewer stories tomorrow. But I think this is kind of important. I mean, pending something bizarre doesn't happen. Okay, you guys have a great Tuesday. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.